Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and today we're going to be going over the three big economic accounts from China and what they may mean for the rest of the world. Jeff, you're the head of global research for Alhambra Investments. That means you can summarize and give us a thesis. What is the key takeaway that we'll delve into from today's episode? Awful, atrocious, horrible. But is it lockdowns? Excellent. Excellent. Good. Okay. Well, for people that want to get into the nitty nitty gritty, they can go to the Alhambra Investments blog where you blog daily and go to a piece that was posted on the 17th of May. And it's titled Synchronized, but not Corona Virus. And I guess that's the key, right, ladies and gentlemen, is we're told, yes, these numbers are awful. And the reason that they're awful is because the president and the Politburo believes we need to lock down the country so as to not spread coronavirus, a zero COVID policy. Let me read out the numbers, what they were reported on the 15th of May. That's a late Sunday for the Palm Beach crowd, seven mile beach crowd. Let's see, industrial production year over year, minus 2.9% for the month of April. Retail sales, year over year, minus 11.1%. Fixed asset investment, a cumulative number, also year to date, that's 6.8%. We'll dive in one by one, Jeff. Where do we want to start? Probably should start with retail sales because it's the most awful number and the most striking one. And it's also the one that people would point to and say, well, yeah, that's because people in Shanghai and Beijing and what is it, 31 municipalities throughout China, whatever the number is, They've been locked, literally, in some cases, locked into their apartment blocks, unable to shop, unable to move. So 11.1% year over year, second worst in history, apart from January and February of 2020. Never seen anything like it, but unusual circumstances. Therefore, that explains the unusual number. At least that's the uh, argument that's being made, not just in the media, but I think in maybe in most people's minds, too. If you don't really look at it closely, you'd think... These two things seem to be go together. So what's the big deal here? Well, the big, big picture deal is that retail sales have been on a terrible downtrend for quite a long time. This latest number, we could say, has been accentuated by the lockdowns, but it's the trend that's the problem. The already harmful trend, as you put it in your piece here, but even before then, the trend, and you said it's the 2019 already harmful trend. And we've got a graph here, Jeff. One where we see the retail sales year over year, and it's not seasonally adjusted, so we see this kind of sawtooth pattern. You've identified the Aprils for us. We can see the fall. Obviously, most recently, we can say, okay, that's due to the lockdowns. But you also have a couple of other trend lines. You did a, a pro forma. You know, what would the growth rate be for 2020 through 2022 had we been growing at the 2019 rate? which was lousy, and that's evidenced by the other pro forma dash line that you have here that shows the 2001 through 2011 baseline completely detached from that line. Yeah, and I think that's the point. I put those in there because, yeah, number one, as you just said, Emil, the 2019 trend line or repeating the 2019 uh, growth rate isn't exactly all that great to begin with because in 2019, as you might remember, that left the rest of the world exposed to what was before COVID a recession. So 2019 retail sales in China, not really consistent with growth to begin with. 
when China can't even get anywhere near them 2021 or 2022. When we talk about the word and we use the word recovery, it literally means to recover the prior trend. So I put that dash line in there to remind you, no matter what you see about the depths of individual months, as you said, you know, April 2022, yeah, there's lots of lockdowns, but the entire trend in consumer retail sales in China ever since 2020 has been nowhere near getting back to 2019, let alone something better than that, which means for two solid plus years, Chinese consumers have spent far, far less than they quote unquote would have had there never been any recession and global financial crisis and everything else that happened in 2020. So when we're talking about economic weakness, all our focus is on these individual really bad months when it should be on the fact that not just Chinese retail sales, there's been a problem the entire time. There is no recovery and there's nothing like recovery. And more so than that, um, regardless of co- zero COVID policies, the trend over the last you know eight, nine, 10 months, 12 months in China has been lo- slower and lower still. I was listening to a presentation today, the day where that we're recording this, which I really have no idea. I know it's May or the 19th, great. 2022, I was listening to a presentation by one of our former guests, Ann Stevenson Yang. It was just today. And what was the title of her presentation? Is China still investable? She gave us the, uh, the answer right up front and she said no. And for some of the reasons that we're going over right now. Retail sales is a view of the Chinese consumer, and that relates to China very well. Now we're going to go over a couple of other accounts that have more to do with the world economy, the production, uh, the requirement of commodities for infrastructure within China. So these two, industrial production and fixed asset investment, are a commentary not just on China, but also the world at large. Jeff, which one do you want to look at first? Let's do industrial production, but I think that well, that one's relatively straightforward and easy. And like retail sales, it was a minus number, second worst in history, all the badness that goes along with it. Yes, minus 2.9. The consensus outlook, Jeff, just a bit outside. It was for a positive 0.4 <laughs> yeah. was what they were expecting. Uh, industrial production, let's see here. You said you were commenting that maybe the per- most important part of the industrial production was something to do with the finances that came out around that same time, the People's Bank of China, the financial statistics report, the, the funding, the extra credit, the money, the debt, the loans that are given by the authorities for industrial production to keep the economy running. We would think stimulus, right? But what were the financing numbers suggesting? They were just like the economic numbers. They were the worst that we've seen in some time. And you, you think, you know, the headline number, RMB loans plus foreign currency loans in China, they grew uh, year, year over year, I think it was 10.6% annual rate, which you'd think, I mean, 10.6% loan growth, that's fantastic. That's rip roaring. Except for China, that's the lowest loan growth since 2002. So you have to go all the way back before the mature euro dollar stage, the middle, middle 2000s you know, the, the massive buildup in credit and money throughout the world to see loan growth in China this low. And in fact, it slowed down materially in April, which, I mean, immediately raises, hey, this is lockdown related. People can't borrow because they can't get out of their houses, whatever. 
But, you know, loan growth has been slowing down markedly since the middle of last year, before the middle of last year, the early part of last year. So this is, again, a trend in Chinese consumer credit, not just consumer, but consumer and business credit that goes back to early part of 2021. At the same time, you see slowing in all these big economic accounts. If you're not, there's not as much credit, there's not going to be as much building of infrastructure. There's not going to be the most building of plants and production capacity, slowing actual usage of production capacity, as well as in actual output. All these things are related together. And it's not just one month of lockdowns or another month of lockdowns. It's a downward trend where the lockdowns punctuate further lower, but it's the trend that we're actually interested in. And it has been this way for a, for a long time beforehand. Some of the graphs that we were just showing identify when those uh, slowdowns really took place and they coincide perfectly with Eurodollar University anniversaries, February 2021, of course. And then here you've got June 2021. So key moments, June, to, I think everyone knows about Fedwire early enough in February of 2021. And then, of course, June, you're, you're thinking that euro dollar number five, the global dollar shortage, began in May. So we're seeing incredibly isolated country. Nevertheless, we're seeing inflections right when global money is experiencing hiccups and or full body dry heaves. Our very last one, fixed asset investment, Jeff. The number headline is a cumulative number, thankfully for us. You went in there, dived in, and you broke it up so that it's more month by month, year over year. And that's the chart we're looking at right now. And it looks like it was a negative, a negative. Yeah, by my unofficial back of the envelope calculation, and you do have to do a little bit of, of arithmetic because of the way the Chinese gather, tabulate, and calculate their economic accounts. They don't use compatible samples year to year. So you kind of have to reverse engineer monthly changes from their accumulated numbers and so just take it with a grain of salt. Take the Chinese numbers with a huge grain of salt and then take mine with a, a further grain of salt. But by you know, reasonable guess, it looks like month over month changes or uh, monthly changes in April were negative for fixed asset investment, both private as well as total, which means state owned was likely. And the Chinese do prepare a, um, a month over month chain for the last 13 months, which confirms that it was down in April. But again, when you look at that chart, it's not just April that should get your attention. Fixed asset investment kind of bent lower the trend change in investment around September and October last year, which should ring a whole bunch of bells there, too. I'm going to next ask you about imports, but I'm going to do this with the help of Russell Napier, because I think many people will see that Chinese imports, another signal of global economic health, are low. They're going to see, ah, the currency is low, maybe they're not buying as much. I think the causality is reverse. But let me turn to Russell Napier, another one of our guests, previous guests, for help here. Here's from a recent report here from early May. He wrote, quote, the key to finding the correct solutions is to ask the correct questions. And to this, we have to consider how this very different world presently works. Perhaps the most important question to be answered in this new world is not how high U.S. interest rates can rise, but how low the RMB exchange rate can sink. Jeff, people will be saying the RMB rate is plunging, therefore that's why they're not importing as much. But in an article posted on the 9th of May, which was titled, Why CNY Down Equals Bad Part 3 for Everyone, 
you suggest that perhaps it's it's reverse. It's the authorities know there's trouble and there's not enough money coming in. And so they put up administrative blocks, some sort of controls to slow the import so as to slow what? Slow having to pay U.S. dollars out, right? Because most imports, not all, because the Chinese have been diligent about developing bilateral trade relations, but still, by and large, they need dollars come in because the Chinese sell a bunch of goods to the rest of the world. Then dollars go out as the Chinese buy raw materials and stuff to, uh, to go into China, as well as financial flows. But on a strict trade basis, if you expect that you're going to have diminished financial flows, and you don't really want to, you know, you don't really want to go into your stash of reserves like you did a couple years ago, six, seven years ago, 2014, 15 and 16. You don't want to repeat that debacle. What else are you going to do? Well, one of the ways you can conserve dollar outflows is by restricting imports. So, and I think, you know, there's quite a bit of data that shows that one of the reasons why Chinese imports actually fell as far as they did, starting right in January and February of 2015, was because of their dollar woes at that time. And it was one top-down approach where you can adjust import targets and all sorts of things, given the way the Chinese system works. So that you're not buying as many imports because you're conserving the amount of dollars that are leaving your hands for those reasons. I think that's one reason why Chinese imports have been weak outside of January and February, which was sort of a catch up month for what happened last year. But then February, uh, excuse me, March and April of so far of this year, imports have been flat, which when you adjust for prices means in volume terms. They're importing quite a lot less than they were at the same time last year, which, yes, I know there's port problems, zero COVID, all the rest. But also we've got plummeting CNY, which tells us that rather than devaluation as stimulus, they have a massive dollar shortage problem on their hands, which, again, makes sense that in those particular months, especially March and April, and then into May, we'll see the data for May, but those particular months, that's when they that the imports were much weaker than had been expected. I delight in the specificity and the accuracy of the General Administration of Customs Office who reported for March a negative 0.1 for imports, but then in April wanted to make sure it was positive. Positive 0.01. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that's, you know, those, those, you know, those you. kind of, tar- <laughs> this, don't those sound like targets? I mean, yes. those are not natural numbers. No. It's like seeing a straight line in nature. It's one of those things like, you know, we've talked about before with China, the straight line on the PBOC's balance. You see these straight lines and you think, ah, oh, that's, that's, you know, the communists like round numbers. And so they've picked a target and they're going to stick with it because that's how the communists work. And then, you know, all that we need to fill in is why they would be doing that. And the answer is not because of stimulus or because of what's going on, the mainstream explanation for the currency, but rather the other side of it, which is why is CNY down equal bad? Because it means dollar shortage. And when there's ever a dollar shortage, as we've seen repeatedly, it causes all sorts of these uh, collateral effects, pun intended, including something like this, which is going to be harmful to the rest of the global economy. If the Chinese have to, self-select lower imports, that means they're buying less goods from around the rest of the world. They're actually transmitting economic weakness due to this dollar shortage to everyone else further down the raw material and supply chain. And that's just, it's just a matter of time before that becomes harmful to everybody else too. 
Thank you for walking us through these important economic accounts, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, Emil. 